Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited that you decided to join us. You will absolutely love and you're in for a treat for today's guest. Uh, we are on a mission to positively impact the world through sports and culture. We're a multimedia network, we're a YouTube channel, uh, a podcast, and we also have live shows. Uh, if you haven't followed us on YouTube, you can find us at uh, All Access Network. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can find us at All Access underscore net, uh, where we also do some of our live shows uh, along with Facebook at All Access Network. But so excited to have you with us today. Uh, we love for people to be able to write their story, uh, leave their mark, and create their legacy. We're on a mission. We appreciate you joining us. And again, please share, like, and subscribe uh, whenever you get a chance. And stay on this journey with us. It's going to be an awesome ride. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. College Hoops, Coast to Coast, we're back at it again, my man Sweeney. What up, Kev? Man, it's been a, been a busy time. Just got off the road this weekend. I think we both were on the road. I was in yeah. Champaign. I went to Illinois, Arizona, which was as high sick level. an atmosphere. High-level basketball game and a sick atmosphere for basketball. I mean, that place was bananas. Rocking. The students were right. They had, they had me sitting right like in front of the student section, which I always love. And the students would just like – there was like a little – concourse area between me and, and and the students and after every big shot like the students are just running up and down like crazy jumping up and down like <laughs> they're giving each other chest bumps like i thought they were just gonna like start high-fiving me like grab me out like it was it was a high level atmosphere for college basketball a lot of fun glad i got to do it back uh back back in the shy town today and uh stick it out for a week and then home for christmas so couldn't I, I did see a picture of you right behind like the video or not the video booth, but like the main table yeah like looking over some notes like over the shoulder it was, it was like during a replay you know they're doing all these reviews and i i was literally like there was a second row behind you know the the scores table and i was that was where i was sitting so you know boborowski comes over to, to to check the clock or whatever and i'm i'm like let's see let's see what we got here because you know, like, <laughs> i can't see what's going on so did, I you what I call, did you get the call right did you get the call when I, you I was i was correct yeah i was, I was correct okay sounds right sounds yeah. right uh, what do you think about the game, real quick? I know we're going to talk about it later. Yeah. Two quick thoughts on the game. Arizona is high, high, high level. They're athletic. They have first round picks. They have, you know, Lloyd's doing a great job kind of managing all those guys and developing them. And I think Illinois, once they get Andre Corbello back, they're going to be pretty dangerous, too. That was a, again, that was an outstanding basketball game. I did not come away from that game less in on Illinois. I certainly didn't come away with it less impressed with Arizona, given how hard it is to win on the road. Right, you probably came away more impressed with Arizona before, and probably yes, with even on Illinois. Yes, sir. Sweet. So, someone that has one program that has of many, we will get to the Sweeney Seven uh, yet again, the new setup. But we have one program guest that has impressed uh, Mr. Sweeney himself. We have Casey Long from Murray State in the building. We're gonna bring him in. Casey, how you doing? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing today? We are good, man. Good to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Murray State in the building, home of many NBA players. Yeah, the, we, current, we, the current man of the hour, though, is Ja Morant. So we're going to have to talk about Ja, but right now we're going to talk about uh, Murray State and what's going on post-Ja Morant, yes. post these pro guards, and I'll let Kevin uh, lead the way. Yeah, I mean, a huge, huge win on, uh, on Friday night. They go into Memphis, win 74-72. Uh, behind a big-time scoring effort in the second half against an outstanding Memphis defense. They score 46 points, 48 points, excuse me, in the second half to uh, to knock off the Memphis Tigers, getting in, uh, not an in-state, but a you know regional win over a big-time program. And uh, Talk us through what that uh, that that halftime conversation was, because obviously it, uh, it, it solved everything. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll start off by saying, man, my thoughts and prayers are with the families here in Western Kentucky and that was in the path of the tornado. Um, mm. You know, we, we, we've obviously the game happened right before everything took place, but I don't want to start anything without letting them know our thoughts and prayers are with them and we'll do everything in our power to help support them uh, while we're here. But, you know, one of the things I will say about the game, um, it was interesting, you know, because Memphis is a really good team. We went in the half and our players were confident. You know, we had a lot of foul trouble in the first half from key players. And one of the things we discussed is just execution. Just like every coach in America, you want your players to execute better. And we thought that we our guys in the second half followed the game plan, you know, guarding, you know, potential pros. And you have to have some of that, you know, where guys execute the game plan. And you also got to have players step up. I mean, the bottom line is um, in those games, you guys have seen it over the years that, you have to make some plays that you don't normally make mm. and be consistent in what you're doing to have a chance. And I felt the one thing, you know, Coach McMahon, you know, he did, in the, the, especially at halftime going in the second half, is just instill a lot of confidence in our players. And they went out and executed, and we were very fortunate at the end of the game. Can you can you take us through what, you know, the aftermath of that, that win looked like? Because obviously there was you know, the severe weather really right in the area. And every, you guys had to get home. Uh, once you got home, some of the de- devastation around Western Kentucky, uh, generally, what did the what, what what were the emotions like? You know, once you're able to bring in the win, but also once you realized kind of what was going on outside of basketball in the following 24, 48 hours. Uh, great question. Um, it was kind of all over the place. I'll be honest with you because you know we had family in in Murray, and the, when the tornado was going through, you know. You didn't know. So after we ended the game, we were on a really good high. Everybody's excited. But then you're thinking about your loved ones back that's in the path of the tornado. And so what happened was, you know, everybody checked in at first and then the storms came and so forth and so on. And so as we're going back, you know, it took a little bit longer. It's about a two hour, two and a half hour, two hour, 45 minute uh, bus ride from uh, Memphis to Murray. Took a little bit longer because you're starting to see all the effects of everything. And so you know, when you get back and then you see some of the devastation and you start to see some of the uh, ramifications of everything going on, you know, as fortunate as we are to get that win, you know, we're in a place that was very calm because you're just trying to make sure everybody's set. And the next day when you realize, you know, I was fortunate, I was fortunate, you know, we just lost power for a few days, but you know, you're very, very, you start to really think back to how appreciative of you are because Man, you start thinking about everybody that you know here at Murray State. We're about 20, 20 minutes from Mayfield, and we have a lot of fans uh, that come from Mayfield. I mean, we have some teachers that teach in Murray, in Murray, Kentucky, from Mayfield. So then you start thinking about everyone else, and then all you just want to do is be helpful. You know, if you're an opportunity to be helpful, even if you have a little bit, and if you can help a little bit, you're trying to be helpful to those. So after the game, you know, you know, it went from a high, I wouldn't say to a low. It just went to a place of how can we help. And what can we do to be a part of the solution, um, seeing everything that took place? And, and obviously it's you know an ongoing thing, but what are some of the types of things that you guys as a team and you know an athletic department as a whole are are hoping to do for for the community that obviously lost so much, you know, lives, but also you know, property and you know, family. It's just just obviously devastating. What what is the plan at Murray to to address all of that? Well, we have a shelter here in our arena that they set up immediately. Um, there's a ton of GoFundMe's all across the board um, uh, with people here in Murray and Mayfield and all over. Our university um, has a donation website that you can donate to as well to help the cause. Um, just time, supplies, everything you can think of, because at the end of the day, you know, there, there's some people that, that lost a lot, you know, and there's some people that families who lost loved ones. And the one thing about it is all we can do through basketball is do what we do to try to be an inspiration for our community. But, you know, there's nothing uh, more you can do than sacrifice time and invest everything you possibly can and try to help others because it's bigger than just Murray State and it's bigger than uh, myself. It's, it's about what we can do for the community and be a, a, a servant leader. So we're just trying to do everything in our power. There's various websites, but ultimately we're just being a sounding board and just diving in wherever we can to help and be a part of the solution. Well, obviously we're, we're thinking of everybody in that, that community and hoping that everybody can, you know, get back, back on their feet as, as soon as they can. Uh, on the basketball side, what, 
what did that win over Memphis mean for your for your program? Right, obviously this is this is not a place that is new to success. Murray State knows how to win NCAA tournament games and know how to go on runs and go undefeated and all, all of the things that this place has done in the past. But for for this team in particular, the guys in that locker room, uh, what did winning a game like that mean to them, and what can it do for you guys the rest of the way? It meant a ton to our team because, you know, we have some um, all-conference returners and K.J. Williams and Tevin Brown that have seen success, you know, their freshman years um, with John Morant. They, they saw the whole whole picture of what it looks like to get to the tournament, win a game in a tournament. And they've been really good players. And last year, coming off the COVID year, um, you know, they, they didn't have the success that they individually wanted with their team. And so – that it was big for our team because it helped mesh this group of newcomers from various places and let them know that we have a chance to do something special if you just take things one game at a time and trust trust the process. And so it gave them some confidence, um, not only to move forward as a team that you know we have a chance to do something special, but also gave them the confidence of, of trusting your teammates in that adverse uh, environment. So I was really I was really proud of him because as a coach, all you want to do is see the players have the success they work hard for, spend all summer working for, work all their lives for. And for that win, it was big for this year's team, no matter what has happened in the past, because it helped mesh a group of guys that haven't had that success thus far. Coach, you've been there for a while, obviously, and you've been a part of some of the success that's happened. Last year was tough for so many teams just because of COVID. What has it been like now that you got to have a summer now that you got to have a recruiting offseason and now you're getting back to the ways of kind of what Murray State's been for a long tradition of, you know, winning. What has that process been like? Because sometimes we we take a step back and it looks easy because it's like, oh, Murray State's doing what Murray State does again. But behind the scenes, it wasn't as easy as that. No, it wasn't. Um, but I, I'll say this. The process has had a higher level of appreciation for sure because you miss those moments in the summer that you spend with the guys. You miss the interactions that you have at the dinner table. You miss the interaction that you have on the road. And I thought one thing last year did, it showed how valuable a team and a tight-knit group is because when you don't have it, you know, little things that you take for granted with trust, relationships, they don't mend as, as quick as possible. So the first thing we did when we got back this summer is make sure that we have all the team together. And we did a lot of team-building activities. Now, for the most part, for everybody to get to know each other, but also because we, we missed a lot of times. Even the guys who returned from last year's team, they didn't get that opportunity to experience a lot of that stuff. So um, ever since the summer began, we've enjoyed every step of the process, team building, practices, um, having the players in your office, you know, just being able to walk around and just interact. Right. Because, you know, what, what some things you, you, know, you don't think about as coaches is, you know, we might not look at it as, as those being valuable information, just saying hi to somebody in person instead of on the phone. Right. But, man, that, that report that you build with your team, you could carry that over into the season, and, and it can be genuine instead of them feeling like you're talking at them. It feels like you're with them. So right. um, we've enjoyed every step of the process in the summer, August, September, um, just having an opportunity to, to, to be able to interact in the gym without socially distancing, just being around. Um, I think that's helped every step of the way with this team so far. We hope to continue the success and, and keep building in the right direction as well. Yeah, for sure. I'll let Kev get one more, and then I'll, I'll end you with a funny story. So be thinking, Coach. <laughs> We're going to end with that. I'll let Kev get one more. Hey, you mentioned your your two kind of all-conference caliber guys in Tevin Brown and K.J. Williams, guys who've been around the program and you know have experienced the highs and the lows what has their leadership done for your basketball team in the first kind of month plus of the season as, as you guys have gotten off to this great start oh uh, it's been tremendous because it's not the stats with them even though they have that um it's just been the fact that they've been through it you know veterans um are, are very important to a, a basketball team veterans have a way of being able to speak with the coach can't speak they have a way of leading when we're not around. They have a way of knowing what you want to do on the court without us saying it. And they have done a tremendous job of doing those things. They, they've taken ownership and understanding what Murray State is about, but they've also taken ownership that they want to be leaders and, and try to mark their own territory for their futures as well. So having them have been invaluable because they're not only they're great players, they're just great kids. I mean, every day they walk around, you, you'll see a smile on their face. They live in here with the new guys. 
um, our, our new guys take take a liking to them because they know that they're going to invest the time with them. And so I'm happy as a coach to be able to see not only their success, the team success, but see that they have something to do with it because they've been around and I think they've earned the right to be leaders and they're doing a great job of it thus far. I love it. I love it. Yo, B, yep, you got it. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, so this can be a two-part. Obviously, you've had many pros there. Everybody wants to hear about Ja when he was there. What was he like to coach? What was it like to get him? Everybody loves any Ja story. So you can throw one in there, but you got to throw a funny story in too. So one Ja Moran story, one funny story. Oh, my gosh, funny story. All right, let me, I mean, everybody knows Ja is, is what he is, man, personality-wise, so forth and so on, man. But, you know, the one thing about him, I'll say – one positive thing that I think of something funny to say about him, man. The one thing about Ja when he was here, he never left the gym without a smile on his face. You know, even as a freshman, when he came into the program, I always say my favorite Ja game out of all the games, he has a lot of them, uh, is we played, you know, Jacksonville State at their place as a freshman, and he really struggled that game. I mean, he really struggled. And the one thing he promised me, he said, Coach, the next game I play, um, I'm gonna, I won't play as bad as that. We played him back at home. And, you know, he didn't stat great that game. He was okay, but he guarded for 40 minutes harder than he's ever guarded in his career. Mm. And that showed me more about him and what he could be because he was a freshman backing up his promise against a really good Jacksonville State team. I mean, they were really good. And so, you know, the one thing that I appreciated for him is he would do anything for his team to win. And now you're seeing it manifest in the league. You know, last year was assist. Now he's scoring. It's a lot of things he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I've, I've, I was always appreciative to seeing that process. Um, funny story. I, I don't, man, it's hard with him, man. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing about him, man, is like, you know, he always had stats and he always had things that he would do well, so forth and so on. But we have a, we have a group chat with that team that we always stay in contact with and, the one thing about him is like he never likes us to bring up the stuff that, that you never think about. And there, there were games, man, that that he really, really, you know, he had good games and we'll pick out videos and stuff like that. And he had a great memory. And so when we'll pick out everything he'll do bad and stuff like that, he would go to everybody on the coaching staff and look up what we did as players. Yeah. <laughs> of us. And he would just wait for the opportune time and he would put it in the group chat. And he's in the group chat, he'll wait till all the team is up and everything else, and we'll have jokes, and then he'll post it. And then everybody clowns the coaches. And next week, he'll hear about it over and over and over. And to this day, he does that. He watches all our games. And he doesn't pick in. He'll wait. He'll watch the bench and everything like that. And then he'll take a picture. And then two weeks later, you'll see the picture pop up. And he, he's, he's incredible, man. <laughs> he's incredible. Good That's memory. Awesome. Oh man. That's awesome. I love yeah, it. He always he always knew how to pick on the coaches, man. That's what we loved about him. He always he always knew how to set the mood in, in the gym. And he still does to this day. So man, I'm I'm just happy to be to be part of his journey. No doubt. Yeah, he's a special one. That that those stories don't surprise me. Although I've never heard it, it doesn't surprise me at all. It seems like he's one of those that keeps track of everything. You know what, man? He, he I, the thing that he doesn't get a lot of credit for is he's appreciative of everything. And I know he says it all the time, but he's a truly humble kid. So he it's when the Memphis game was happening, he's just as invested in the Memphis basketball program as he is in Murray state, not from you know anything else, but it's just because he's in Memphis, he wants to be successful. Yeah. And so that game, you know, I, I hated that he was in the COVID protocols, but you know, that game was going to be crazy because of everything that took place. And, you know, just as he knows that, he's just as invested as in Amani. He's just as invested in uh, Jalen. He's just as invested in Kevin and KJ. He loves grassroots basketball. He loves it. And so the one thing he doesn't get a lot of credit for is as he helps these younger guys come through the system, he follows them. Like, so if you if you talk to him today, he'll know everything about the top 50 players in America, just as you know everything about the players that he's about to scout against in the NBA. So. Hmm. Uh, he's a basketball junkie, man, and it's good to be around because it gives a, a role model for our players to look up to, as well as somebody that can follow that's been through what they've been through. Yeah, somebody who's really studied the craft and invested in it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Casey, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time. We know you got to keep getting ready for the next one. 
Uh, glad to see Murray State back doing Murray State things. And best of luck the rest of the way. And tell everybody there we say hello. Man, thank y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks, Casey. Thank you. Have a good one, brothers. All right, Casey Long there from Murray State. We'll let uh, so, so Kevin's actually going to talk about Murray State within his uh, Sweeney Seven. So yeah, we yeah we'll get into him at the uh, at the Sweeney Seven. But just want to say again, I mean, you know, we're thinking of everybody in that that whole community, that whole area. It's such a special area of of. I think obviously it's more than basketball, but it's such a you know basketball crazed area. Like you think about West Kentucky and the success they've had. Uh, Murray and the success they've had. I mean, the whole state loves its basketball. So we're thinking of everybody and uh, hoping that everybody uh, who's out there is is hanging on and we're, we're doing what we can for them. So uh, please, you know, go check out some of those things you mentioned, you know, you can donate and help out and support, support the community any way you can. Yeah, devastation uh, comes in a lot of different forms and it's never fun to deal with and a lot of people – uh, it's easy to take for granted what we have in front of us because we're not going through it. But uh, credit to Coach for making that in front and center at the beginning that just shows his character and what he's about, as most of us who know him already know that. But, uh, yeah, hard times in that in that area. So GoFundMe pages are pretty easy to find. Uh, let's make sure we're supporting with thoughts and prayers and whatever we can give. Um, so, yeah, college basketball keeps rolling. So we got the Sweeney 7, which is our – Kind of our uh, mantra right now, and coast to coast, keeping it uh, real Sweeney like. And uh, yeah, what do you what, what are we starting with today? I know I know I got it uh, in my notes, but are we going random or are we going in order? I think we're starting we'll, with Arizona. We'll go in order. We'll start with Arizona, who I go think I think not only looks like the Pac-12 favorite, but looks like a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. You know, yeah. right now it's, I think it's really hard to to sit there and say oh, who's number one, who's number two, who's number three, right? Like these polls are changing every week because everybody's losing, right? Purdue lost to Rutgers on the road. And uh, obviously, you know, we saw Duke lose to Ohio State on the road. Gonzaga has lost twice now. You know, I don't think there's a truly cut above the rest team in the country, but Arizona belongs – whatever the top tier is, Arizona belongs in that tier. I mean, they're, they're just an absolutely unbelievable basketball team. You know, they have a guy who's going to be a lottery pick in Ben Matherin, uh, the sophomore that was recruited by Sean Miller and had a good freshman year. He he has gotten a lot better. He's polished his game. He's you know become more than a shooter. I mean, he's big time. They've developed another potential first-round pick in Christian Coloco, who's there for two years. He dominated Kofi Coburn. No player I've ever seen defend Kofi Coburn as well as Christian Coloco did in that ballgame. He's fear, fearless. He's got great you know, rim protection instincts. He's outstanding. And and as well as Tubelis, who's also a Miller holdover, who's really good at the four. They've got this Estonian point guard, Kirk Kreisa, who just is a ball of energy. And it's just incredible. He's infectious with, with what he brings to the table. So, look, they're deep. They're they're balanced. They're incredibly athletic, one to five. You know, they have – I think the best way I would frame it is they have Duke-level athleticism, mm. and they have Gonzaga Exynos. And that's a that's a pretty dang scary combination. And look, Tommy Lloyd isn't Mark Few yet. Mark Few's earned that that mantle. And you know these guys aren't you know aren't all superstars, but they have that caliber of, of kid right now in their program. They have kids who are playing as smart as Gonzaga guys and as talented as as a Duke or a Kentucky guy. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I don't have a lot other than um, I think it's happened faster than what people expected uh, with Arizona and the thing about the shifting of all the teams that were at the top and as people get beat and Arizona just keeps winning, they didn't have the hype coming in. They didn't have the big expectations. They're obviously dealing with a lot with the transition and sanctions and all these things around it. But here they are right there doing what, uh, and coaches got a lot of credit for being a big part of what Gonzaga has been. Uh, I think it's well-documented and just a bit to see Tommy Lloyd step in right away without the hype and do it in a way that's getting it done in between the lines. Uh, says a lot, and I don't think uh, I don't think Arizona's going anywhere. I think they're here to stay. So no, not the way that Tommy Lloyd recruits, right? I mean, a lot of these guys are Sean Miller's players. Sean Miller could could get players without a doubt, but Tommy Lloyd got got a couple players here and there at, at Gonzaga. He was pretty oh, good yeah. at that. So they're gonna have good players every year, and uh, Lloyd clearly doing a nice job meshing it all together this year. Yeah, we've talked about culture a lot on the show. We think he gets that at a high level. We obviously know that. Um, even just having other guests that have worked with and been with. Um, but I think I think they probably look like the best team 
in the Pac-12, who Pac-12 has kind of got some ups and downs. They look like clear-cut. They're here and everybody else. I, I saw UCLA in person at Gonzaga UCLA. Look, granted, UCLA did not have Cody Riley. He's very important to what they do to, uh, on both ends of the floor at the, at the center position. There, There's no comparison right now. You know, Arizona is clearly ahead of UCLA. Maybe that will change. It's a long season. But right now, Arizona won, UCLA, and everybody else. Yep. Got to give credit when it's due. Okay, so talking high majors. The second in the Sweeney 7. High majors going to mid-majors in-state. Virginia did it uh, with uh, James Madison. Uh, ended up taking an L. If I'm not mistaken, James Madison right. got the win. Uh, almost – High major in BYU that's going to the Big 12. They went to Utah Valley last week, who was our – Utah Valley was our mid-major team of the week. They also took an L. Uh, so let's talk about this concept of mid high majors going to the mid-major in-state. Yeah, I mean, I just think – and Tony Bedden had an unbelievable quote about this. He was asking, you know, why, why did you give James Madison this game, right? And he said, look, when I was in the state of Wisconsin and I was at, you know, Wisconsin Green Bay – Marquette and Wisconsin wouldn't come to our building, and I hated that. And so I'm going to go out and try to fix it. My, do, do it myself and, and, and set the example. And, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit. And, and, again, part of it is he has unlimited job security, and he does not have to worry that if he goes on the road to James Madison, he's going to get fired uh, and loses that game. But, look, I think it's it's a great example to set because that atmosphere, I was not there, but I watched on TV. It was palpable. I mean, it was outstanding. Every, the, the building was packed. Um, James Madison, a beautiful new arena, and it was just jam-packed with people in purple. It is a great thing for mid-major basketball and for college basketball as a whole because one of one of the ways you get tickets to go to a game like that, you get season tickets. You know, that's you know, if you look, North Carolina's played a lot of these games over the years, and every year that they go on the road and they play, you know, College of Charleston, they play at Elon, which they've done. Yep. You always see season ticket bumps at those schools because. Fans will buy the season ticket package just to get that Make one sure game. game. And so, if you, so not only is that a revenue boost for the athletic departments that need that money, especially now after COVID, but it also is an, a door opener to that mid-major basketball experience that a lot of fans who are casual fans in the region, right? If you're if you live in Virginia and you're a Virginia basketball fan, you buy season tickets just to go to this one James Madison game. You're probably going to go one or two, two more times. You know, right. mid-January, there's a game. I got tickets. Might as well go. Now the door has been open for you to experience something different. I just think it's great for, for the sport. It's great for the fans. I think it's great for players to experience great road atmospheres. It's great for mid-major teams, obviously, because they get a home opportunity against a, a big-time program. It's it's what it's all about, and, and we need more of it. So coaches out there, you guys watch this program. Make it happen. Even if you're even if you guys are cruising big at a, a high major, go 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 on the road. Go 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 see your friends at the uh at the smaller state school and uh, make a special college basketball night happen. Like we saw with that James Madison game, like we saw with that Utah Valley game. Yeah. I think it does something too. Um, you talked about uh, North Carolina playing at college Charleston. We had our rising coaches classic the week before and all the buzz that whole week was about North Carolina. Hey, North Carolina's coming next week. This place is going to be rocking. And everyone was referring back to the time 10, 15 years ago when North Carolina did it and they won and it just builds this energy. So I think even our event was even more well attended because there was so much hype around North Carolina. And everybody kind of wants to, on those campuses, be a part of that win where you get to storm the court. And even if it doesn't happen, like you said, there's something to be said on both sides. The, the winning team or the, the high major, if they do win, you put your guys in an environment that gets you ready for conference play, gets you ready for NCAA tournament, gets you ready for uh, just another battle-tested environment. And then on the flip side – if you happen to lose and the other team wins, I mean, those are memories that last a lifetime. People take pictures at those games and have them forever. People, it's the stuff that goes in the locker room. It's like on this day and this year we won. So uh, I just think all that stuff is great for the sport and we want to get more people drawn into this great game we love. And uh, yeah, what a better way to, what a better, there's no better way to do it than to do that. Although these high majors playing high major games are cool. Nothing like that in-state because people in the state take so much pride in it. Uh, number three on Sweeney's seven, Tony Stubblefield has a star, Mr. David Jones. Talk about Mr. David Jones and Tony Stubblefield. Shout out to him and the job he's done at DePaul, which a lot of people had their question marks. Let's be honest. 
sometimes the guys that are the high major assistants that are known for going to get players, they don't necessarily get the credit for being a coach as well. Coach Stubblefield has a gritty group that is definitely playing all the way to, to the best of their ability for him, and you can tell. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I try not to go, like, crazy and, like, oh, my gosh, I was wrong. I was right after 10 games because, you know, it's 10 games, things change. I actually did a study a couple years back about how, uh, and for, for Hoop Vision, Jordan Spurber does a great job, how your year one results actually aren't all that indicative of how successful you'll be moving forward. But, look, the biggest thing that Tony Stubblefield deserves incredible credit for, they don't – there's an energy about this team – Right. And a competitiveness and a toughness that was just not there last year and in the years prior. And I followed DePaul because I'm in Chicago and I'm around it. Yep. He he deserves a ton of credit for getting a group together. A lot of guys who are who are returners too, including Jones, who reclassified and came in early last year and played mid midseason, who are just they're just playing so unbelievably hard. And it's translated to wins. I mean, their only loss is a Four-point loss at home to Loyola Chicago, who's a top 25 team in my estimation. Loyola really hit shots. And Javon Freeman, uh, who's DePaul's best or second-best player, was in foul trouble the whole game and fouled out. So, you know, they're doing a great job. And and Jones was just outstanding. They go on the road to Louisville. That's a game that no one expects DePaul to win. And and David Jones goes for 33-14. and He's a unique player. He's a really highly rated recruit, kind of under the radar, Despite all, despite the recruiting billing, because he's going to DePaul, right? And he's six foot four, six foot five. He's a lefty. He is tough going downhill. He can make shots. He is a terror on the offensive glass. I mean, he just plays unbelievably hard. He's a great um, culture builder and foundation layer for Stubblefield mm-hmm. for a kind of hard playing program because the guy just grinds for 35 minutes a night when he's on the floor and it's fun to watch. So he's, he's been great. I'm excited to see them. I'm going to see them in person Saturday when they come up to Northwestern. Uh, that's going to be a really important game for both teams trying to build resumes and it should be a good atmosphere in Evanston. So uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. Shout out to Chi town Sweeney's hometown uh, getting it done right now. Uh, that Loyola game was a great game indicator too, of like, it probably helped them win the Louisville game to be yeah. honest because they knew that they could play with one of the better teams in the country. But that game was had so much kind of shy town bragging rights back and forth. They dug themselves a hole, but they showed how tough and gritty and resilient they are. It's like, if we don't dig that hole, we can beat, we can play with anybody in the country. Right. When yeah. you, when you saw them go down, I think 13, nothing against Loyola Chicago, right. your first reaction was, well, same old DePaul, right. you know, same, same old, same old, you know, big game comes around, they, they lay an egg. And they can they, they change that narrative even in a loss because they proved to themselves that they could fight they could fight back that they are a tough team and i think it helped them against louisville when they go on the road in a tough environment yeah no, no one picked that one uh except them i would say uh going into that game going to number four we got kevin willard's player development let's talk about it I mean, Seton Hall gets two huge wins last week. They win against Rutgers, obviously a rivalry game, but they also beat Texas, a talented group. You know, look, they were fortunate to, you know, get those types of games on their home court. But, you know, this team is a great resume now. They've beaten Michigan. They've beaten Texas. They've beaten two top five teams in the preseason. And then they've beaten Rutgers in a rivalry game. And it all just traces back to the job that Kevin Willard does to develop players. Jared Roden's their their star, their leading scorer. He's averaging 17.6 points per game, I believe. That was before the Rutgers game, so I'm going to have to fact check exactly what it is now. He averaged three points a game as a freshman, nine as a sophomore, 15 as a junior, and now he's averaging 17.5 as a senior. He's improved every a- aspect of his game. He's gotten become a better rebounder. He's become a better defender. He's gotten his body right. He's shooting the ball better. He's more assertive scoring the basketball. And he's just the latest one in, in the line. Miles Kale, they have on the wing. He's gotten so much better in his career. Um, you look back to last year, their point guard, Shavar Reynolds, was a four-year guy who was a walk-on originally and became, you know, a starting point guard in the Big East. You know, Kadeen Carrington, uh, Sandju Mamakelishvili became an NBA player there after averaging like five points a game as a freshman, as I recall, if I recall correctly. Every single kid in that program gets better. They deserve a ton of credit for that. It's why he's getting as much love as he's getting for right. bigger jobs, for whatever. And I don't, we don't need to talk about that, but you know, he has earned whatever love he gets, whether that's a contract extension, right. a different job, 
pay that man because he is doing an outstanding job. And the whole staff is. I mean, it, it, it's not just a head coach. You could, you could certainly speak to that. Be like it takes a village to, you know, develop guys and get guys in the right mindset. But that is a program that deserves a ton of credit because in a time when everybody talks about oh, which transfer are you getting, which recruits are you getting, how do you get this talent, how do you get guys to the NBA, they are getting kids in and they are making them better every single year and it's paying off. They're a top 15 team in the country right now. Yep. Yeah, I think to go to your point, uh, when you win, all those things come. Other opportunities, extensions, raises, whatever, awards. So he deserves all of that. I think the part for the player development, it is staff, but it does start at the top. If the head coach has a philosophy and he believes in it and he instills that in his players, uh, it's going to go down all the way through the staff. And I think they've created a system where they get guys, they retain their own players, you talked about several guys you named are four-year and five-year guys. So they retain their own players and they invest in the players. And players know some programs you don't feel like there's a lot of hope when you're not playing. And I think players in their program know, hey, even if I'm not playing right now, I'm bought into their plan for me and I'm going to get my turn. And when I have my turn, I'll be ready. And I think that's the cool part about what he's, what they've done there and what Coach Willard's led there is that those guys are tough. Hard nose, you know you're in a legitimate like alley fight when you play them, and you just don't really know from one year to the next who's gonna be at one place. You can't say, well, he was only this last year, so that's always gonna be this year. Where a lot of programs, you can say that. So I give a lot of credit to them, and I just think their investment in the players and uh, that toughness, that chip on their shoulder, it feels like they build that into them as they're developing their mentality and their and their ability because. They almost don't put ceilings on those guys. It's like, hey, you got this role now, but we'll allow you to keep growing in this program. So credit to him. It doesn't always go that way. And credit to their staff, uh, absolutely. We'll go to another one on the East Coast in the Virginia area. Not quite East East Coast, but East Coast. We'll go to the A-10 with VCU. Let's talk VCU. Uh, got some health coming back. Uh, you're excited about this ball club. Tell us why. Yeah, I mean, I think – First off, I don't think a team in the country got hit harder with the injury bug in the summer. They had th- they had two guys, Terry CLs, and a third in Ace Baldwin, their starting point guard, who they really needed because they lost Bones Highland, a first round pick from last year. Um, you know, Ace depart. Ace gets an Achilles injury over the summer. And you're like, all right, he's done for the year. He was able to work his way back. They started saying, okay, maybe January. And then I just looked looked up last week, and he's playing. December 15th. I'm like, man, this is crazy. And he has been really, really good. I mean, he has that, you know, look, he, he's a, he's a really good scorer. He's what he's really known for is his defensive work. Yep. And he proved he had six steals in his first game back in 20 minutes, which I mean, is a crazy number. And he is minutes. That means if he's playing almost 40, 12 steals, you do the math. Sorry. Yes. Yes. 12, 12, he was on a 12, 12 steal for per 40 pace. Yes. Which is absurd. Um, but you know, they missed him on offense. They got a lot of heat for how bad their offense was and were just kind of surviving on their defense. Right. Well, the two games they've gotten Baldwin back, they've had their two best offensive ratings on points per possession all season long. So they're starting to figure it out on offense. They have some young players like Jaden Nunn, uh, who's been really good for them in that kind of forced into the point guard role. So that duo together is, is special. And look, maybe they've taken, you know, a couple too many losses to be in great shape for an at-large bid, but I think this team is going to be really, really feisty because they guard the heck out of you. I mean, look, the only team, the team that has played Baylor better than any other team this year, mm. the VCU Rams. They hung in that game for 40 minutes because their defense was so disruptive. It is a weapon. And Mike Rose does a great job coaching that that scheme. They, they are very bought into it and getting Baldwin back gives them a shot. Yeah. How do you like speaking of shot? I mean, this league is known to be a, one of the deepest mid-major leagues every year, year in and year out. How do you like their chances in that league? We'll have uh, St. Louis on later in the show, and we actually gave uh, their point guard player of the week for mid-major for having 14 and 19. Uh, talk about VCU's chance in the in that league. Is it a multiple-bid league, you think, this year? Is it just one? What's it looking like in the A-10 before we go? Yeah, it, it's it's been a weird non-con for the league, right? So Dayton got out to an incredibly slow start. They lost three bye games to – Lipscomb, Austin P, and UMass Lowell. Everyone kind of cr- started carving their gravestone, and then 
All of a sudden, they won the ESPN Events Classic. They beat uh, Kansas in that process, and they beat Virginia Tech. So they're in the mix. But I think the path for anyone other than St. Bonaventure to an at-large bid is going to be really hard. Bonaventure probably could use a win over West Virginia to feel comfortable in that. They already have a neutral court win over Marquette and a neutral court win over Clemson. So I think Bonnie's is in the best shape so far for a bid. Everybody else is probably auto bid, although Dayton, I think, and VCU both have kind of outside shots at sneaking in at large, but it's such a deep league. I mean, Davidson is is scrappy and is all of a sudden, I think, seven and two and blew out Northeastern on the road yesterday. And you've got George Mason, who started really strong, had a five game losing streak. Now they're starting to get it back going again, it seems like. So maybe they're in the mix. URI's athletic, UMass can really score. Like there's, Six, seven, eight teams that are just tough to play on any given night. I think I like Dayton as the second best team behind the Bonnies, but VCU like also it. are in that mix. I like it. Yeah, the Bonnies being a top 25 team makes the league where it has a chance to get multiple bids. That's usually the formula for a mid major league. You got to have one team that's in the top 25, and then someone else can have a chance to sneak in. Speaking of uh, balling out of control, let's talk Juco products. How about that? We haven't done that on the show yet. No, Juco sir. products from WKU, Western Kentucky. Uh, we know Rick Stansberry usually keeps a stash of talented players. This one happens to be from the junior college rank. Let's talk about Sharp. Yeah, J- John A. Logan product uh, to Marion Sharp. He was listed at seven foot two in Juco. He showed up at Western Kentucky, and everyone realized he was seven foot five, which is <laughs> <laughs> just absurd. Uh, I say that our measuring in Juco isn't good enough. What are you trying to say? I don't know. All I know is that everywhere I saw him, he was listed at seven foot two from John A. Logan. And then he showed up at Western Kentucky, and they were like, we measured him, and he's seven foot five. Which is unreal, I think. <laughs> and, you know, he got off to a bit of a slow start to the year. He was coming off the bench, and, you know, they kind of had to thrust him into, into action. He has been unbelievable to watch for, for them, and it's been a big part of, of some of their turnaround from a really tough start to the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he They blew out Ole Miss over the weekend in Atlanta. Uh, this kid had 16 points, nine rebounds, and six blocks in, in 30 minutes. And 30 minutes, quite frankly, is a, a real win. I mean, it is hard to get a guy to play 30 minutes. In a game at That's yep. a big boy. So – he, 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 since he was put into the starting lineup six games ago, he has had in, in his last six games, he had six blocks, five blocks, four blocks, seven blocks, six blocks. And then, of course, he had a triple double with blocks. He had 10, 12, and 10 uh, against Alabama AM. So he is a monster. He is blocking 20% of shots that get taken when he's on the floor, mm. uh, which is just ridiculous. Absurd. Absurd. He's, been, he's been fun. Can't make a free throw, but. When you can block 20% of the shots and dunk everything and you're 7-5, who cares, man? If you're, if you're blocking 20%, that means you're probably changing 50% or more because you're he's not blocking weapon. all of them. Yeah, he's a huge weapon. Uh, you know, someone who gets talked about a lot or early on, uh, Chet Holmgren with his ability to block shots and uh, do that. Yeah, it's not the same as even this young man at Western Kentucky right now and what he's doing, so. Shout out to Western Kentucky Juco products. Johnny Logan also has an NBA player that came from there, got drafted from uh, Johnny Logan two years ago, the year before the COVID year, uh, to the Clippers. So shout out to Johnny Logan. Uh, Shout out to Brandon Goble. Got to give him a quick shout out. He's a big fan of this young man and was early on. He's probably the one that called it first outside of the staff. I'll give them credit. Staff usually knows, but uh, outside of that, BG usually is on and then he had Sean Paul tweeting about it like crazy. So I, I've known this name for about a year because Sean Paul's tweets are just next level about the guy. Yes, Sean Paul was on our show last week. If you missed it, go back on the podcast. You can't you, you can't get enough of Sean Paul. He's he comes with the most um, outside the box yet profoundly accurate things. And it's like, where's this guy? Where's where'd you find this guy? He's uh, nuts. He's nuts. He is that, and he doesn't write anything down. Straight off the top of the dome, freestyle. Right. All right, we're going last seven. Sweeney seven. Murray State is back, eight and one. Sweeney seven. What we got? Murray State. Yeah, yeah we, we talked to Coach, and yep. they're doing an outstanding job. I, I just you – know, obviously, a Memphis win is the type of game that, you know, wakes people up. But even before that, they had been, you know, significantly improved. They went to a neutral court event and, you know, went two out of three in a really good mid-major field. You know, lost a tough game to East Tennessee State, but beat James Madison, who we just talked about, who beat Virginia. They're probably the favorite in the CAA. Uh, 
you know, this is a team with great guards with, with Tevin Brown, who's a big time shooter. He's shooting 44% from three and, you know, had six triples against Memphis, but also Trey Hannibal, who's just kind of physical bully ball guard, you know, kind of throwback guys that made a three this year. Uh, Justice Williams, or it's not, not, not Justice Hill, excuse me, they have KJ Williams. Uh, Justice Hill had six threes against, or excuse me, five threes against uh, Memphis. He was huge in that game. So, you know, just kudos again. It's a, it's a program where the expectations are very high. Last year was, you know, a lot, lot, lot of teams would love a love a thirteen and 13, 10 and ten year, but uh, Murray State that's a uh, that's a disaster. So they uh, they they went in, they fixed it, and here they are at eight and one, and right in the mix for a, I think a you know right in the mix for the conference championship. I like Belmont. I think Belmont's probably a slightly better team, but those two at the top, man, heck of a league right at the top. Yeah, great league. We don't know what league they'll be in next year yet officially, do we? Have, have they decided that? Not no. not officially. No. A lot of conversation around them changing leagues. Uh, give them credit for what they're doing. Yeah, it's not easy to make that bounce back. It's not easy to be a mid-major that has these high expectations and people just expect you to turn it on every year. Uh, and to be able to bounce back again uh, is not easy to do. So full credit, and uh, it looks like they're as good as they've been uh in a little bit so yeah excited about murray state so we're done with the sweeney seven round of applause did it big as we do uh we'll go straight to the weekly awards we've already released them if you haven't seen we'll share them with you and break it all down weekly awards high major team of the week we got baylor bears they only played one game but as everything shuffled and we've already talked about it for them to go to the national championship last year and win it and dominate all year long the year before, they were number one for majority, a large majority of the year, and I think sixty. I think they're probably now sixty-seven and six in the last three regular seasons, which is insane. But to come back again when Baylor's like they lose all these pros, they lose all these seniors, they lose Mark Vidal, who was so critical to what they were doing too, didn't go to the NBA, but um, lose all these guys, and here they are, number one in the country, and they play Villanova, who's kind of this standard test that says like okay are they really legit or is baylor just not played anybody yet they go they beat villanova handily with as great a defense as maybe that they had last year back at it again they're known offensively as an offensive team but this baylor bear team showing that they're a really good defensive team i know i just spit out a lot of stuff but baylor's still doing it that's why the high major team of the week let's we break it down yeah i mean i think the average person who watches college basketball does not realize what an unbelievable accomplishment it is for Baylor to be defending at this high level and this, this together on defense with the amount of new guys, right? We said four, four new, four starters departed, uh, a transfer point guard, Nikinjo. Look, he's a senior. He played a lot of college basketball. It shouldn't be surprising that he can, you know, pick things up, but they have two freshmen in Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan who have to play a ton of minutes for this team and they are difference makers on that end of the floor. And they're both six foot eight, six foot nine. They're athletic. They can handle the ball. They, I, I tweeted, they look gigantic. I mean, when they play Brown, Sohan, and then Jonathan Chamochachua, uh, everyday John, as he's known, this kind of big room protector with a great personality. I mean, they look like an NBA team three through five. They're so physical and athletic. And, you know, they switch on you. I mean, it, that team athletically and the way they defended made Villanova look like kind of a plucky mid-major. It was, you know, it was, it was kind of how you envision like a, like a Missouri Valley team going up against a big 10 team looking, you know, like, wow, like these guys are pretty skilled, but they're like overwhelmed athletically and Villanova looked overwhelmed by Baylor. And that is not, not an easy thing to do uh, to, to, to a defending uh, a team that is a top 10 team, a really talented group. They look completely overwhelmed. So, I think it says a lot about what Scott Drew does, what they're able to do. I mentioned we mentioned before that you know Baylor deserved, you know, that Baylor having its staff continuity. I think we talked about it last week. How, yep. how much that helped them. I yep. think you're seeing that week to week as to why they've been able to be so good so fast. Is that no, no, only the players are being taught new terminology. You know, everybody else can, everybody else knows knows it, and it is a lot easier to learn when every every voice sounds the same. And I think there's just a great continuity and a great culture inside this program that's allowed them to be you know, so successful. So they're a deserving number one team in the AP poll right now. Will they stay there all year? I doubt it, but they're a heck of a basketball team. Yeah, they're legit. And uh, Coach Jacobs was on last week, one of their assistants with me and Eli on All Access on Heat Check. 
and he talked about Scott Drew. We asked, what is it about Scott Drew? Like, you can't tell all the secret sauce, but what is it? And he just talked about it. He said adaptability. Most guys, a lot of head coaches don't adapt. You know, you're talking about a guy who's done it with uh, untalented, untouted freshmen. He's done it with five stars. He's done it with transfers. He's done it with JUCO guys. Um, and he's done it doing man. He's done it doing zone. Uh, and now to do it at this high of a level, it's like, got to give the guy credit. He's an elite, elite basketball coach, Hall of Fame, no doubt. And uh, his staff is definitely showing their work too because, you know, Coach Tang, we always talk about him on this show or we do give him a lot of shout because he deserves it. Uh, hasn't been a head coach yet, but to be there as long as he's been there as the right-hand man and the, the captain of the defense, uh, give those guys a lot of credit for all the things that they're doing there at Baylor. So that is the high major team of the week. Uh, although there was probably some others that could have been in there, got to give it to them for what they've done. Uh, Mid-major, one of the only undefeated teams in the country still. We will go with Colorado State uh, here in the Mountain West. Can't say enough about it. I got to see this team early on in practice and thought uh, this is the top 25 team. They were on the brink of making the tournament last year, returned everybody, and then added some pieces. But the good thing about you talked about the continuity with staff, this continuity with players is just as important uh, they did have a couple staff changes. They were able to plug and play uh, with some good assistance there. But as far as the, the players, all the players are back. And then you add a couple pieces, and then all those players have improved as well. And they all have that kind of chip on their shoulder. We know we missed the tournament last year. We're coming back on a mission, and this team looks like a team on a mission. Tell us your thoughts on Colorado State. Yeah, I mean, they're tremendous, right? I mean, they're well-coached. They have – top end talent with Roddy and Stevens that will be really high level pros. I think the thing that always stands out to me though, when I watch them is they're, they're fearless, but they're also unselfish, right? I mean, they were down, you know, late in this game. I think they were down eight with 10 minutes to go. I mean, their backs were against the wall a little bit and they just found a way to, they found a way to win. And a lot of that I think is that when they get into those situations, there's no panic. There's no one guy saying, oh, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to go run out and, you know, try to try to take over when I'm not playing well. Like Isaiah Stevens had eight points in that game. Yep. He played 38 minutes. He had eight points. How many, you know, conference player of the year candidates are happy with eight points? Because he was just like, I'll sit back and I'll go get 10 assists. You know, and that's just that's just who he is. And I think, you know. The same thing with Roddy, the same thing with Kendall Moore, who's been there the longest, came in year one, was committed to Nico at Drake. You know, these guys are just incredibly bought into to what Nico Medved wants to do, and it's paying off with wins. So they deserve all the love they're going to get. They're in the AP poll this week, which is you know a great accomplishment. But, you know, I think it's it's just the beginning for, for what this thing is and for what, you know, Nico Medved's, you know, has has earned and what he's built because again they you know roddy and stevens are still juniors like right like if they're this good now what's, what's gonna happen next year yep not only are they still juniors but I, I think you hit on it they're unselfish at the top of the food chain you got a great point guard elite level big that's kind of a hybrid mismatch unicorn if you will so you have these two rare gym players that are difference makers all conference level players mvp level players in their conferences but they don't care about how many numbers they get. They literally just care about winning. Some games one will go off, some games the other go. Some neither one will go off because so much people are so focused on them. And they've surrounded this team with so many great pieces that know their roles. They have multiple guys that can make shots, multiple guys that can kind of go off. And they dig themselves some holes, but they're so explosive offensively that they can just kind of go on a run. I mean, I can think about Northern Colorado. That game, they're down. I think they're only up one with four minutes to go, but they're down 12 in the second half. They come back. All the games uh, in their tournament that they won, uh, they were down almost every game in that game. The Creighton game, this game, that game, Mississippi State, they're down again. They're so explosive offensively. It's like how long can you keep that lead with a team like this because they can just go off at any point in time. And I think that's what makes them super dangerous uh, and a team to watch come March. Texas Southern, we talked about it last week. Uh, Texas Southern got a huge monster win, top 20 win. They've been uh, going through the high major circuit, kind of going to every team you can think of to play and hadn't been able to get one and do a convincing win at Florida. Let's talk about Texas Southern. And Johnny Jones, a team that 
came off the tournament last year and got a win. And Johnny Jones is no uh, stranger to winning, no stranger to leading programs and doing these type of things. But credit to Texas Southern for last week. Yeah, I mean, I think the toll that that these teams, uh, a lot of HBCU, HBCU teams go through, but Texas Southern kind of gets the pub every year because they play the name brands, you know, pretty much. But, you know, to start, I think they were 0-6 or 0-7 going into that game. And, you know, to just come in and say, we're going to execute our game plan. We're going to play our tail off. And if we win, we win. And, and look, they, they punched a Florida team in the mouth. That really wasn't ready to get punched, and uh, you know they deserve they deserve a lot of credit for being as prepared and, and as energized as they were. And you know, again, that's that's a huge that's a huge win, right? That's a statement. It's the first time an H, uh, a SWAC team has beat a ranked SEC team ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all sorts of other superlatives you can have for, it. And, it, and again, it wasn't just a. There's sometimes when you watch an upset and you're like, man, you know. That was that was a little fluky, you know. That was this was team dominant, hop from three. It was, it was a dominant upset. Texas Southern was the the better team that day. They were flat out better than Florida in every every facet of the game. Yes, so we'll stick with uh, Texas Southern. They have a player on that team. Uh, it's only right to give a player on that team uh, player of the week, Mister Jordan Carl Nichols. We'll talk about him real quick. Fourteen points. Uh, I think he was seven to seven from the field that game talk a little bit about his play as we talk about players of the week high level high level athlete in the post and just did a you know did a really good job defensively you know florida has a outstanding center and colin castleton and a foreman and anthony derugi who's super athletic and physical and you know to match make to, to deal with that matchup you need your 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 forwards to step up because it's hard in those games and i think there have been a lot of games you can think about when you look back at you know by game upset bids where you know, you're, you're hanging in and then that one big man gets in foul trouble for, for, for your team or that one big man, you know, starts to struggle. It starts to get overwhelmed. Right. You know, his, the job that Nicholas did, Nicholas did in that game was so impressive. He was great at the rim. He was really good defensively and really carried them to that victory. It was a team effort without a doubt. It wasn't like, Oh, one guy went, went for 30 tonight. You know, he had 14, right. I think their leading score at 16. Um, but, but he came off the bench and, and made a huge impact in that game. And it's a huge reason they won it. So we'll come back to the mid-major player. We'll go high-major player next. Mr. Ron Harper has a monster game uh, against the number one team in the country at that time. We now know it's changed. And then hits the game winner. So let's talk about Ron Harper Jr. He he, he went and got himself a 30 ball and then uh, decided that that wasn't enough. So he uh, hit the game winner. I mean, look, that shot was everything that we love about college basketball with the fans and the energy was an incredible game. And, and for Harper to just, you know, the presence of mind with three, three and a half seconds to go, right? Like it was a scouting assignment miss to not double a post and stop Travion from catching it in the post. Right. And, you know, instead of everybody looking and pointing at each fingers and like, oh my gosh, we just lost the game that we should have won on our home court. He said, give me the ball and grabbed the ball out from under the basket. Someone threw it to him and he went out and uh, hit a 35 foot game winner. That was, you know, a shot that everyone will remember at Rutgers. I mean, one of the biggest shots in the history of Rutgers basketball. No doubt. Uh, a program-defining moment, a memory he will have forever. And it's just what college basketball is all about. So I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was one of those shots that it's very rare. It's happened to me twice. It's happened twice this year. First time on the uh, uh, UC Riverside three-quarter court winner against Arizona State. Ah, yeah. And second time with this one where a shot goes up and, like, I didn't – like, I just involuntarily yelled – when it went in, like, I was like, Oh my God. And you're just like, the room I'm, just I'm just going crazy, bro. Like it was, it was, it was insane. I'm so, I'm so happy that shot went in. Look, I, I have a lot of love for the Purdue team, but uh, that was a lot of fun. I am, I am very pleased that that, that, that was, that shot went in. Cause that's, that's a moment we'll remember all year. That's that'll be on every highlight reel. So oh, no. it's, it's kind of what the March Madness tournament is all about. So it's what the NCAA tournament is about. Those shots, those moments, those kind of underdog upsets and somebody having this inspired performance where you're like, well, how did you do it? You know, everybody wants to interview him. So that's what it's about. One more inspired performance to talk about mid-major player of the week, Yuri Collins from St. Louis. Uh, we'll give St. Louis their shout out on there. 14 points, 19 assists, 19 assists. That's unbelievable at the college level. You don't even hear about that in the NBA level, as good as those guys are and as generous as they are in stats and giving those guys assists. College assists are not easy to get. 
and they get 19 of them. I was a point guard. I was an assist guy, so I can't wait to talk to this young man later. But 19 of them, that's amazing. And he also didn't miss a shot from the field. Five for five from the field, 19 assists, two turnovers. Not a uh, not a bad day. You know, they've needed guys to step up. You know, they lost their superstar, uh, Javante Perkins, a week before the season with an ACL. Uh, it was backbreaking. He's everything to what they do. And, you know, they've needed guys to to step into bigger roles. And, and, and Yuri Collins, this, you know, this third-year kid at point guard who was, you know, really solid last year but didn't have – his best games when they've needed big games from him, he has brought his game to another level. And, you know, in a game like that, when you're playing a high major team on your home court, he steps up and has one of the more ridiculous stat lines I've seen in uh, recent history. So shout out to Yuri Collins. Yep. Shout out for sure. Anytime you're making those kind of assists, uh, super unselfish playmaking ability right there. And they do have a guard. We'll talk about two later with their staff and with Yuri. Uh, that reminds us a little bit of that Phil Forte guy. We'll have to ask if he's giving some secrets there. Um, well, we're closing the show. Anything upcoming that you're excited about this week? There's always something. What are you excited about this week in college basketball, coast to coast? Well, I mean, I'm not excited about the fact that it's finals exam week, so a lot of people are uh, – I'm, I'm glad that I'm not taking finals, but hey, I'm – That's the best part about it. You're not taking them. I'm not taking any, but there are not as many, uh, not as many great games. I'll look ahead to the weekend, though. There's a ton on Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll shout out one in particular, the Crossroads Classic in Indianapolis, the four, you know, it's such a great basketball state. It's the last year the event's happening. They couldn't kind of agree to all the details of the four teams. I think it's something we need around, around the country, right? I talked about the in-state high majors playing mid-majors. I think the same thing here. When you have, you know, power conference schools from other conferences in the same state, play these games, make them happen. So you get a, it's always a great neutral court event in Indianapolis and the fans come out and pack it and. You know, Purdue's been outstanding in the story this year, but Butler turned it around, got a huge win on the road at Oklahoma last week. Notre Dame just beat Kentucky, Kentucky. Kentucky. and Indiana has been been very solid as well. You know, if Indiana looks a part of an NCAA tournament team, and you're wondering Mike Woodson. So, I think it'll be a great event, great great four teams, and uh, should be a really fun, really fun day of basketball in a in in the state of in really a basketball state. Like I said, it's a it it matters there more than it does. I think really most other places in the country, maybe, maybe Kentucky is right up there as well, but Indiana, Kentucky, I think of those two states when I think of college basketball. So looking forward to that, uh, crossroads classic amongst other games, but those two, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to. Yeah. Circle that on your calendar, uh, finals week, which means after finals, it's like NBA time for coaches and players, like no school. So the basketball may turn up a little bit, you know, guys getting more reps in the gym, a little more continuity we'll see i always like that time of year because guys get to just focus on ball so you see teams kind of take a turn that maybe was just up and down up and down and they may get on a hot streak here so take a look out for that secondly kevin sweeney one funny story before we go give us something what you got now that you're in the real world no more college student we're putting you on the spot one funny moment funny story before you go Man, that's you're really putting me on. I'm trying to think of anything like Reese in the professional world. Like, there's somebody sent you an email, I wasn't ready for it, I wasn't even dressed. I had to like put the zoom on and like just have a shirt on. I had no pants on, and I was just like gave a presentation and killed it. Well, how about this one? This this is related to what, you, what you're saying. I don't know if it's professional, but <laughs> I, was having some, I was having some furniture delivered last week. I was having a new table delivered for like a dining table for my apartment right behind me. Uh, and and they, the email said it was going to be there between 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. So it's cool with me. Right. Set an alarm for 7.45. I'm ready to go. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to wake up too early. Look, I'm still, I'm still college age. You know, I, I like to sleep in. I, right. I, start, I start to work day a little late. My, I wake up at 6.50 in the morning to my phone ringing. Right. And the delivery guys are here. I'm like, what's going on? So I'm like sprinting around trying to put some pants on. I let them in. I'm awake now, so I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? So I sat down at my new table once it was delivered, and I uh, I watched some watched some tape. So that's that's the adult life right there, waking up at seven in the morning and watching a watching synergy because someone woke me up to deliver a table. So I guess that's that, that's what you got for me this week. Maybe next week I'll have a better funny story prepared. Hey, the fact that you are getting the grind on, getting straight to synergy, that's that's shout outs. You got to snap for that. 
That's what we do, man. You, I, I, I just finished a little seven-day work week. I wrote a story yesterday. I was at the game on Saturday. I worked all five days. I'm working today. I'm working through the weekend. I'm going to go to a game on Saturday. I'm going to go to a game on Sunday. I fly home Sunday night. I'm going to be on the road during Christmas week twice to see games outside of my hometown. So the grind never stops here. Fall is life, man. Fall is life. Really is. Fall is life. Well, we'll see you next week uh, back at Coast to Coast, another Sweeney 7. Some more special guests. Uh, Can't wait for it, Sweeney. Until then, be safe. Signing off. We out. See you. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, and create your legacy.